Well, hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us here for Centuries and Saints. This is Scott Matson for the podcast. Now, today we are going to be looking at the day that the church celebrates actually today, which is Maundy Thursday, the Thursday right before Good Friday and that final Thursday before Easter Sunday, and basically one of the final days of Lent as well. So this day is celebrated. Uh, It has been. Uh, since ancient times for the church. And so we're going to look today at some of the theology behind Maundy Thursday, as well as the history. You know, why do we celebrate it? What is this all about? Uh, What's with that name, Maundy, anyways, right? That's a word that we don't use in English. So we're going to get into all those things and more on the episode today. So I hope this is a blessing to you and encourages you to observe and celebrate Maundy Thursday as well as all these other days throughout Holy Week leading up to Easter or Resurrection Sunday. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and I will talk with you guys at the end of this episode. For those of us in the Western part of the church anyway, uh, and that includes us since, you know, we're in the West, and we're Protestants, which means we broke off from the Roman Catholic Church, uh, which is part of the Western part of the church uh, for the most part. So because of that, what I want to do is I want to take a look at two of the days of Holy Week that are a little bit maybe less understood and less known uh, to us. And that is Maundy Thursday. And so I want to look at those two days uh, and just kind of take a look at the, at the history, what they're about, and then more importantly, the theology behind them. Uh, as this is a theological teaching, I want to get a look at that. And so for this teaching right now, we're going to be looking at Maundy Thursday. You know, maybe like me, you're not really sure what it's all about. Uh, You're not really sure about the name. And, uh, you know, just for those of us that, uh, that aren't from more of the high liturgical style churches, like Catholic churches or Eastern Orthodox churches, or certain sects of Protestantism, you know, uh, we don't maybe have as much of a background in those things, and that's okay. It's, it's cool, I think, at least just to understand uh, what these things are about and where they come from and why, you know, we observe them and celebrate them to whatever extent we do. You know, we, we, we look at those days, and, and they're important for a reason. And so let's just take a look at that. Since this is Holy Week, uh, again, for those of us in the West here, in the Western part of the church, excuse me, um, let's take a look at that. So Maundy Thursday, what is that all about? What was two days ago uh, that certain parts of the church observed and celebrated and commemorated? Okay, well, uh, very basically, Maundy Thursday, again, is observed on the Thursday before Easter Sunday. So every year, whatever Sunday uh, we celebrate Easter, uh, the Thursday before that is Maundy Thursday. Okay, and so Maundy Thursday is the day that commemorates Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples in the upper room. They're the night Uh, where he celebrated Passover with them. And Maundy Thursday has particularly in focus two things. Number one, uh, Jesus's institution of the sacrament of communion, the Lord's Supper. And secondly, uh, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Okay, so basically, uh, Maundy Thursday is a celebration of our Lord's time with his disciples in the upper room, again, when they celebrated the Passover, uh, the night before his crucifixion. 
So that's what Maundy Thursday uh, at a basic level is all about. Maybe you've wondered what is the deal with the name Maundy Thursday? Well, we spell it M-A-U-N-D-Y. So Maundy, what does that mean? Well, as you know, that's that's not really an English word because there's no word that we have for that, Maundy. That doesn't make sense. Uh, but scholars believe that Maundy, the, the word that we use there, uh, it derives its name from the Middle English and Old French, which was, you know, centuries ago, the word mande, which originated from the Latin word mandatum, which means command. Okay, so at its root, the Latin word mandatum, that means command, and that's where we get the word mandi. Okay, and what that is referencing, the word command, it's referencing the first part of John chapter 13, verse 34, where Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. That's John 13, 34. And that's where we get you know, the word mandatum, from that new commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples. And since this is a, a teaching uh, that has to do with uh, not only theology, but also the history of things in the church, because that's what we're talking about today as we're talking about Holy Week, and these things are more traditional, um, I thought I would read uh, that verse in Latin, because that's where this whole thing comes from. So uh, this is just for fun, just a little extra bonus for you guys. And the Latin is, Mandatum novum dovobis ut diligatis in vicem sicut dilexivos. So maybe you're like, what in the world did you just say? Well, I just read John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. So that's the first part of John 13, 34. And again, that's the Latin, which was the official language of uh, the Western part of the church uh, for, my goodness, well over a thousand years, um, actually over 50, about 1600 years or so. Um, and so again, that's where Maundy comes from, Maundy Thursday. It's celebrating the new commandment that Jesus gave, that we are to love one another as he has loved us. Okay, so that's the basics of what Maundy Thursday is and where it comes from. Okay, uh, really quickly, the history of Maundy Thursday. Now, there are differing accounts among scholars as to when the early church began to celebrate uh, certain feasts and liturgical dates on the church calendar. Some scholars have suggested that these things were established by the apostles themselves and that immediately after the apostles, uh, the early church fathers were celebrating all of these different things. Other scholars disagree and say that for the first 300 years or so of the church, uh, these things weren't set in stone like they are now, and that all of this more concrete church calendar came into being after the Council of Nicaea in 325, there with Emperor Constantine in Rome, and a lot of you guys know that story there. Okay, uh, So, in other words, there's not complete agreement on when all of this began, uh, especially you know the observance of Maundy Thursday. However, it is possible uh, that Maundy Thursday is actually uh, the most anciently observed day of Holy Week. I read that uh, in my studies this week. So again, can't be dogmatic. We're not sure, uh, but that's a possibility. But either way, one thing's for sure. Uh, the church throughout the millennia, these last 2,000 years, in one way or another, has been observing and at least aware of this day of Maundy Thursday, because our Lord's act of humility and service is remembered. Um, again, as is his command that we love and serve one another as he has loved us. And then, of course, um, a lesser 
observed aspect of Maundy Thursday, but no less important also is our Lord's sufferings in the Garden of Gethsemane. And a lot of times we equate that with Good Friday, and that's understandable. We remember that the Garden of Gethsemane took place right after the Upper Room. So that's kind of the history there of Maundy Thursday. And again, that's just the basic foundation. Uh, And I wanted to just get through that because I want to get to sort of the meat of this, the theology behind Maundy Thursday. The most important aspect of Maundy Thursday is its theological implications for us as the church, as the body of Christ, okay? Because again, as we read John chapter 13, we see um, Jesus serving his disciples, humbling himself to serve them and love them. And then we see the commands that he gives them. And so not only is he giving the command to his direct apostles in the upper room, uh, but by extension, he's giving that command to all of us who are Christians, who are his followers, and that this is such an essential aspect uh, of the Christian life. So again, first thing I want to do is I want to read just the Lord's command to his disciples. John 13, 34, once again says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. That is the whole thing right there. Uh, The Apostle Paul says elsewhere in the New Testament that all of the law is summed up in this, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we know from Scripture that uh, God tells us that we love him by obeying him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. Okay? So, the way that we demonstrate our love for God is by obeying his commands. Well, what are his commands? Well, this new commandment that he gave unto us here in the upper room is that we love one another. Therefore, when we are loving one another with his agape love, we are obeying and thus loving him. So do you see how that works? So when we see here Jesus' command uh, for all of us as his followers, as Christians, to love one another, when we are doing that, when we're truly loving each other with the love that, that God gave us, well, by doing that, we're also loving God. And what is the summation of the entire law that Jesus said when he was answering the question of the scribes and Pharisees? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the summation of the entire law. Okay? And again, we see that we love God by obeying him. And thus, that means loving our neighbor as ourself. So the entire law, the whole thing, is summed up in loving one another. That's what it's about. We're to love one another as he loved us, and because he first loved us. Okay, so that's the first thing there in relation to the command that Jesus gave on that night before his crucifixion, that day that we celebrate on Maundy Thursday and Holy Week every year. Man, and then the second thing uh, is the humility that we see in Jesus here. And we get a glimpse in again into the nature of God here as we look at him uh, serving his disciples. Okay, John, in that same chapter, 13, verses 3 and 4, near the beginning of the chapter says this, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. I think a lot of times those verses are verses that we can easily just sort of read over quickly, and we don't really give them much thought, okay? But again, think with me on these verses we just read. What's being said here? Okay, this is God incarnate. This is the eternal God in the flesh, God the Son, 
okay? Knowing that the Father has given all things into his hands. In other words, all authority in heaven and on earth. So what does the incarnate God with all authority do with that authority, with that knowledge, and with that power? What does God do with that? Does he lord it over them? Does he make them treat him like royalty? Nope. He humbles himself and serves them. It's just that is one of the aspects of the character of God that I think is so often uh, overlooked in the church today. A lot of times we sort of forget that, you know, that we see here, again, Jesus perfectly revealing the nature of the Father. Okay, we see here God himself with all power and all authority over all things. And what does he do? He humbles himself to serve his apostles. God humbles himself to serve his own creation. It's, it's just unbelievable. It's incomprehensible. And yet it's something that we see in scripture. And that's just another aspect of the beautiful character and nature of God, that God humbles himself to serve his people. And it would seem almost like a blasphemous thing to say if it wasn't so clearly seen all throughout the scriptures. Okay, that God, who is infinite and eternal, triune, all holy, all powerful, he humbles himself to serve his people. Uh, I was just reading again last night in the Gospel of Luke, you know, where Jesus is telling a parable uh, about a king and a feast, you know, and he says that the king will, will serve his guests, you know, and that's a, a beautiful picture, I believe, again, of just the nature of our Lord, that he, the king of the universe, God, the Lord of all, humbles himself to serve us, his people. It's amazing. And again, of course, as we celebrate Holy Week, it's only appropriate for me to mention that we see the ultimate expression of that, of course, in the cross, what we celebrated yesterday, Good Friday. You know, that God humbled himself to the point of death, death for his people, so that God could reconcile his people back to himself and save us from our sins. You know, that, that's the extent of humility uh, to which God went. And it's a, it's, a, it's a step of humility that none of us, of course, can even begin to get our minds around fully. But that's what we see. Man, so we see, you know, Maundy Thursday, God humbling himself to serve his disciples, his apostles, and also instituting the Lord's Supper, communion. The new, this, is, this is the fulfillment of Passover, and we'll get to that in a later teaching. Uh, but man, we see that leading into the very next day where God allows himself to be tortured and torn apart and killed in in a brutal, brutal, horrific way for his people so that he can forgive his people of their sins. And that, that is the depth of humility to which God went in order to rescue you and me and all who repent and believe. And man, what amazing humility and amazing love uh, that we see coming from our Lord. And, And again, we see all of that in John chapter 13. They're talking about, again, what we know today is Maundy Thursday. Just amazing. You know, so we get an incredible glimpse into the character of God and also our marching orders as Christians, so to speak. And what do I mean? Well, continuing on in John chapter 13, shortly after Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he said this to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example 
that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you, pardon me, you are blessed if you do them. Okay. So those are our marching orders as Christians. You know, the Lord didn't simply just do this as a one-time thing, just as a nice example and a good story for us. And that was it. No, he commanded us to go and do likewise. In other words, we are to practically love and to serve one another in the body of Christ. Greatness in the kingdom of God, as you guys know, looks an awful lot like servanthood and humility and love. Okay. And preferring one another more than ourselves. And it's so opposite of our sinful human nature that it's something that a lot of times we don't like. But that's what we see God himself doing, loving and serving uh, his people. And so we are called as his followers, as, he, as we just read, to do likewise. Okay. And then also, as I briefly mentioned just a moment ago, uh, also in here in Maundy Thursday, uh, in the Upper Room Discourse there in John chapter 13, we see Jesus instituting uh, communion, the Eucharist, you know, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Those are some of the, the main lessons highlighted that we learn uh, from John 13, from Scripture, and that we celebrate and observe on Maundy Thursday. It's something that the church celebrates. So, uh, for those of you listening, uh, I would assume probably the majority of you are Protestants, and, and that's great. And if you're Catholic or Orthodox, awesome. Love you guys, and, and that's fantastic. And, and I love that you uh, would listen. And for those of us, though, that are Protestants, I say all that simply to say, again, a lot of times we don't uh, necessarily you know, have quite the same connection to, you know, history uh, as some of our brothers and sisters in the other parts of the church have. And so therefore, there's a lot of richness, uh, I think, sometimes that we miss when we don't understand some of these more traditional aspects uh, of, of the church and of the church calendar. And again, we know from the book of Colossians, uh, the Apostle Paul said, you know, that our faith does not consist in observances of days and feasts and Sabbaths and new moons and festivals and all of that. Those things are great and fine. Uh, but again, the substance of our faith is Christ himself. It's Jesus. The days and, the, and the, the new moons and the feasts, they're fine and they're great. And they point us to Christ. And that was the purpose that they served in the old covenant. And that's also the purpose that they serve uh, in the new covenant looking back. So, you know, uh, we're certainly not obligated to celebrate Maundy Thursday. However, there's a lot of richness that we can uh, gain from looking at Maundy Thursday and understanding it, um, and a lot of things that we can apply to our walks as believers. And again, ultimately, how it points us back to Christ. And that's the point. And that's why I wanted to share this this morning. So I hope this has been a blessing for you guys. Uh, but I want to close off this teaching on Maundy Thursday with a quote that I found. It's just pretty good, and it kind of sums this up. Uh, nicely here. So we're going to leave with this. It's common to hear from the pulpit that no one can fully appreciate the joy of Easter Sunday without experiencing the darkness of Good Friday. But the disciples would have been bewildered by both without the lesson of Holy Thursday. The day they received the command to love, had their feet washed by a king, and first understood the link between the Passover sacrifice Christ and the bread of life should not be missed by any of us, 
even if the calendar shows a blank square. Amen. Well, thanks again for tuning in today to the podcast, checking out Centuries and Saints, learning about the history and the theology behind this day on the church calendar, Maundy Thursday. So I hope you guys have a great and maybe somewhat solemn next couple of days, Good Friday and Holy Saturday, as we lead up to Resurrection Sunday. And so I'll be posting episodes these next couple of days, sort of these special episodes that take a look at where we're at in Holy Week right now. So again, thanks for staying tuned. Thanks for listening. Uh, This podcast is available not only on the iTunes store, but also on the Stitcher and Spotify platforms. So if you like it and you're enjoying the content, please help us spread the word. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. Uh, It just kind of helps us get the the word out there so that we can serve and bless other people. Uh, So again, guys, thanks so much for listening. May God bless you. And remember, Christ is risen indeed. And may we keep that in mind and celebrate that as we look to him throughout this holy week. Amen. Well,